Well, let's continue standing. Let's uh, read uh, Psalm 23 here. We're in this series, Good Shepherd. This is our third installment here. Anybody who's had a hard time with reading, if your prescription is wearing out, you're not going to have a problem here. This is great. Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd. Ah, we need to do that one again. And we're going to emphasize on mine. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest and bring matters. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along the right path. Come on, take it and bring it on to His name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house and presence of the Lord forever. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Kind of subtitle, Good Shepherd series here is, you know how they say you got milk, got peace, and you got water. Peace and water, two essential things that God provides for us as He describes Himself as the Good Shepherd in John chapter 10. There are many different shepherds, but He is the Good Shepherd. Holy Spirit, come and just do what you do best by illuminating your word, giving us understanding, and making this applicable to every single one of our lives. Thank you, Lord, for doing that. Your word is so good. Even as we were reading that out loud, the seeds of God's word are going in and they're penetrating any soil that might be hardened or resistant toward that. And he's just working in our lives. In order for a sheep to be able to lie down in peace, it it needs four things. And I'm not speaking of this from personal experience. I'm drawing from a number of different sources. But these things that I'm sharing with you are things that come from experienced shepherds. When we were in Morocco, uh, we had an opportunity to go up into the mountains. I can't remember what the mountains were outside of the Amazonas where we were staying. But uh, is that that right, Andrew? Is that where we were? He was our tour guide and uh, helping us out there. But there, uh, you go up there and we, we saw these shepherds. And this particular shepherd had goats. But he was leading his goats. And they were kind of wandering around. But they were just following him. Wherever he would lead them, they would go. And then you'd see some that are way up on the hill. And he, you know, he had this little... Every shepherd has their little sound that they make. Just like Jesus says, My, my sheep hear my voice. And they know me. And I know them. So every shepherd has this unique thing that from the time that they're little, they're little lambies, as we say in the trout family, they learn to hear this sound and respond to only his voice and none other. That is so important in terms of light that there's basically four things that a sheep needs in order to be able to lie down because... That first part that we were looking at, he makes me lie down in green meadows. He makes me lie down in green meadows. In order for that to happen, there has to be a freedom from all fear. 
Number two, there has to be a freedom from friction and tension with other sheep. Number three, there has to be freedom from pests and parasites. Am I going too fast, Jaron? He said, Dad, he's come up to me twice now tonight. Just Dad, can you slow it down? I know I asked you that last time, but it's you're going too fast. So the first one was fear. And then the second one is freedom from friction and tension. In order to lie down in peace, it needs freedom from pests and parasites. Some of those are big words. Those who Tiff help them out. You got them? All right. Mr. coming up on fourth grade. What's up, Jaron? Then freedom from hunger. Freedom from the hunger. Think about these things. God, the good shepherd, and he calls us his sheep. The consistent need in the life of the sheep is total dependence on the shepherd. We've talked about this you know, in, the, in the last couple of weeks, but a sheep is completely helpless. There are no wild sheep. If you turn a dog loose or a cat loose or something, it'll go feral. It, it, you know, it, it, uh, it will become wild, but a sheep doesn't. It just dies. It's helpless. It's totally helpless without the shepherd leading it. And so that's the theme. If you don't have the shepherd, if you don't have the good shepherd, you don't have anything at all. John 15, 5, Jesus uses the metaphor of a branch. You know, I am I'm the branch. I'm the vine, you are the branch. And he says in verse 5 there, you can do nothing apart from me. That's not an arrogant statement on behalf on Jesus' part. He's just saying, I designed you this way. I'm your batteries that make you work. Without me, you, you got nothing. You got nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Sheep are so fearful. It's, it's crazy. Just one little thing. It's like their own shadow will make them fearful. Um, there was this story that um, this shepherd was telling about how he had about, he had about like 200 sheep that were out there. And this friend came over and they had this little Pekingese puppy. Like a little puppy, not even, you know, full grown, which I guess Pekingese are this like full grown. Anybody? I don't even know what a Pekingese looks like. Am I right? Trish is like, yeah, that's right. It's not that much. Six, eight inches. But if this was a little puppy, the thing jumps out of the car, and there was a few that were right close by, and they took off running, and all the sheep didn't even know what they were running from, but they all took off running as well. Sound familiar? How many resemble those statements right there? Yeah, we don't even, it's like, we're running, sprinting away. What are we running from? I don't know. They can be so fearful and so scared of what's going on. Numbers 12 gives us a description. Numbers 12 talks about... What's Numbers 12 famous for? Anybody? All our theologians in here? I'm not a theologian, but I looked it up. So Numbers 12, though, tells about the spies... Right? The children of Israel have come out of Egypt. God has rescued them. They're about to go into the promised land. They're trying to, anyway. And so... Before they get to Joshua, where the book of Joshua, where they go into the promised land, here they are in numbers. And so they send spies in the land. How many did they send? How many? Not your question. Yeah, they sent 12, didn't they? Ten of them 
come back with what kind of a report? Kids, look at your list there. Ten of them come back with what? They had a report of what? Fear. A report of fear. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb, they came back with a report of what? Faith. What did they say? We sing a song about it called Our God Wins. Surely we can do it. Why? For our God is with us. That's the only reason why. You can do nothing apart from me. Awesome. So we can do all things with God. Amen. Amen. Sometimes we get in life and we forget that that's true. We really do. Like, I know that works for like the Geralds, that works for the Rays, because they've been walking with God for a long time. No, if you've been walking with God for 15 minutes, the same is true for you. The same grace in your life, the same power is operating in your life. He takes away... All our fears. Here's the thing. The thing that's interesting about this is that when there's fear amongst the sheep, do you know what the one thing is that keeps them in faith, if you will, and keeps them from being fearful? The presence of whom? The presence of the shepherd. When he's there, all of a sudden, they're able to relax. They're able to relax. We have to be so careful, those things that spread like wildfire, gossip, doubt, fear. The reason is because those are not just words, there's a spirit attached to them. So when those ten spies came back and they said, those giants are massive, you would not believe how big they are. That thing spread like wildfire through the camp. Millions of people were affected as a result of the fear that was in them toward what they saw because they were looking at the opponent rather than their God. Come on, that is difficult to do. I struggle with seeing God. I mean, looking, you know, when David's going out against Goliath, come on, that's tough to not just see this massive form in front of you, this massive figure in front of you who wants to pummel you into the ground. Cancer wants to pummel us into the ground. Fear. All those things want to pummel us into the ground. The fear of being fired. The fear of, you know, the fear of marriage. The fear of whatever. Growing up in the families maybe that we have, we have a fear of divorce. Rather than a faith for covenant marriage. All those things are are so real. So, how does the shepherd respond to the sheep when they're fear? What does he do? Well, he's got a rod, and what does he do? Yeah, he beats them with them. He helps them get into... You guys are starting to look at me like, whoa, wait a second. No, of course not, he doesn't beat them. No, he doesn't. And we're going to get into, why does that, what is that statement all about? His rod and his staff, they beat me to a bloody pole. That's an amazing statement that David had. He had an amazing revelation. Wow, God beats me up all the time. No, his rod and his staff, they what? They comfort me. Well, I'm not going to steal the thunder on what that is because that's a couple weeks away. But uh, 
so many things in life that are uncertain. We do not know what's going to happen in our drive home tonight. We don't. You know what some people choose to do? Stay at home. Not just avoiding church, that's all I'm saying, but they just do, I'm going to stay home. If I can avoid going outside, then I can reduce statistically my chances of dying prematurely. Fear is everywhere. Fear of germs, fear of whatever. I mean, we can, we can always find something to be afraid of. But if we keep our focus on our Good Shepherd, we can trust Him no matter what comes our way. Paul, the Apostle Paul, faced all kinds of different things. But he said, you know what, I put my trust in you, God. Hey, buddy. Oh, my word. Perfect example. We could just watch a clip. If you didn't hear Jaron say, he said it's like the movie, What About Bob? Bob is always going around. He's afraid of something. He's just got phobia after phobia. Mrs. M, is this corn hand shocked? Incredible. Sorry, I couldn't resist. It's kind of my favorite line. How about the what ifs? How about the what ifs in life? We are always tempted, right, to talk about, well, what if this happens? Well, what if this is going to happen? How about if God tells me to do something, that's what I have faith to be able to do? You guys, that's where I want to live. I'm not, I'm not telling you that's where I do live. That's where I want to get to know God to the degree that I can actually live in that reality. That's where I want to be. What's sometimes our first impulse, first reaction when things get tough? In marriage? In parenting? In our job? In the church? Not getting along with people, not feeling accepted, whatever? What's our first thing? To run. Just like those sheep. What are we running from? Why are we church hopping? What are we doing? Why am I marriage hopping? I don't know. All the while, we're taking those issues with us wherever we go. Never allowing the shepherd to deal with those things and work those things in and through our life. The grass always looks greener on the other side, doesn't it? Yeah, when it gets tough, it's always greener on the other side. One thing can be for certain, though, if... And that's the big question. If the Lord is our shepherd, then Romans 8 is true. If God is for us, who can be against us? Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing, everybody say nothing. Nothing nothing can ever separate us from His love. From His love. Death can't. Life can't, angels can't, demons can't. I mean, Paul's covering all the bases here. Not for today, our worries about tomorrow, and even the powers of hell can't keep God's love away. Whether we're high in the sky, or in the deepest ocean, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus. 
If that could become a reality in our life that we live by, what worry could come against us? What could make us anxious? When I grow up, I'm going to be like Paul. When I grow into a greater maturity in Christ, I want to be able to do that. But the slightest little thing sometimes throws me off. I get in a little, you know, argument with Lisa, or something's not going right with the kids, or, you know, uh, you all are making me mad, uh, especially Tiff, you know. She's tough to live by, live with, hang out with, well, you know. Her auntie's agreeing, you know. I can say that. Tiff knows I love her. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. It's not that the sheep don't know that the coyotes and the wolves and the bears and the mountain lion cougars and all that. It's not that they don't know they're out there. They know they are. But the presence of the shepherd makes all the difference. The good shepherd is the game changer. Learning to trust him no matter what. So the first one was fear. The second one was tension. It's really interesting learning from shepherds about how to work with sheep and their different characteristics and stuff. This issue of tension, there's an order of dominance within all animal groups. And that's what they call it, an order of dominance. So there's basically the kingpin, you know, the the hen. Um, With chickens, they call it a what? They call it a pecking order, right? I, anybody had chickens before? We've had chickens, and they they go, you know, the, whoever just, I don't know how they decide who's going to be the big hen, but they just start, you know, pecking each other, and they want to show each other who's boss. Well, in the sheep world, it's called the budding order. B-U-T-T, as in big butt. Okay, the budding order, but they're not waving their butts around. They're actually right with budding each other with their heads. Now, the interesting thing that um, is that in the budding order, it's typically an arrogant older you—that means a female—who um, keeps others from the best grass and the best bedding areas. Yeah. So she will go around, and she'll be like, oh no, you're not in my little patch of grass. And she will come up just like this and turn her head, literally. They describe it as like, come, you know, and just headbutt her. What's the result? Well, others go without being properly fed, and rarely do they experience rest. Now, this is not a female thing. It's not a male thing. It's a human thing. I think in these types of situations, when I describe what I describe, we can think about maybe like who this may apply to in your life. But before we do that, let's try and apply it to our own life. Think about these areas and how we treat one another. Kids, how do you treat your siblings? Do you subscribe to a... That means do you choose a... 
order of dominance, trying to dominate, trying to get your own way. You have headbutting each other, your siblings, with your words, treating one another unkindly. How about dads and moms? When people are around you, do they find rest? Do they experience peace? Or is it this chaos type thing that you, the vibe that you give off? Are people well fed? In other words, are people strengthened as a result of being around you? Or they feel dominated, condescended by you? You'll never guess what the other sheep around them do. Anybody want to take a guess? What do you think the other sheep do? They do the same thing. They're fighting for their own position in the budding order, and they treat every all the sheep around them the way that they have been treated. That same spirit of dominance and control and harshness gets into everyone. Do you know what removes that or stops that from happening? As soon as the good shepherd walks by. When his presence is there, there's peace. There's order. Why are we so fanatical, if you will, about the presence of God? Why is it so important that we have the presence of God in our families? Because then we don't have dads and moms who just dominate. We don't have husbands who dominate their wives, but they see themselves as a team co-laboring together with Jesus. When the Spirit of God is present, there's freedom. Not to control one another, but to love one another, to serve one another. You know, I talk with people all the time about different companies that they work through, big companies that, you know, are here in this region. And it's interesting to hear how just the, the backbiting, the cutting one another, the, the vying for, you know, I don't care what it takes for me to climb the corporate ladder, I'm just going to shove everybody down. Why is that? Because the Spirit of the Lord is not present there. It is in individuals, but it hasn't been embraced on a corporate level. The same thing happens in families and marriages and churches and all the rest. But Jesus says, if you're those of you who are in leadership, you should be the chief servants. That includes moms and dads, not just in a church, in any organization. We're to be the chief of servants. The oldest sibling would be the one who serves all the younger siblings. That alone would turn the world upside down. Third, parasites and pests. This is the work of the Holy Spirit to help deal with those parasites and pests. Because one of His primary functions is to heal and comfort us in the harsh things of life. God knows that sin is, is, is in the world, right? He knows that sin's in the world. He knows that we have 
these irritations and these annoyances and stuff that we deal with with one another. And so the Holy Spirit comes to comfort us in those harsh times. Here's a solution I would suggest to you. Because we see this in the psalmist. We see the example of the psalmist all the time. The psalmists are constantly just saying out loud. Of course, they're writing psalms or poems and things. And they're just saying, God, I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. This this feels like it's too much for me. But just to say out loud to him, you're my source. I, I can't do anything about this. I feel completely helpless. This situation is just ripping me up. I don't know what to do. What shepherd does not want to come and care for a sheep? Because we already see it in the scripture. That's what he desires to do. What parent, when their child is going through a difficult situation, doesn't want to come to their aid and help them and resolve the conflict and and help bring order to whatever is out of order? He loves to do that. I'm reading about these shepherds. These shepherds love to care for their sheep. There's nothing that they desire more and no greater satisfaction than for them to see their sheep resting, in peace, contented, well-fed. I mean, it's amazing to watch, to listen to this. And then I think, my word, this shepherd, the way he cares for his sheep, and I go, dang, the way I, I treat my kids sometimes. I just react to people. It's a stupid animal for crying out loud. We're talking about people that we love dearly. You know, it's like, I want to have a heart like him, like Jesus. I want to treat people the right way. Serve them. Support. Jesus loved this. Listen to what he says here in Matthew 11. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and who carry heavy burdens. Don't you see the heart of the Lord here? This is our Jesus. This is our Lord. This is our Master. Let's read this together. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle, and you will find rest for your souls. Next part. Is there next part? I'll take it from there. Then. For my yoke fits perfectly. And the burden that I give you is light. Uh, the next one, the last one, is hunger. Hunger. Um, when David wrote Psalm 23, he wrote it in the context of this uh, dry and barren land. I mean, Bethlehem was just sun, you know, bleached. It's just burnt to a crisp. And there's nothing really there. And so, in order for you to have a successful a flock of sheep, you have to be an expert at land management. And some shepherds don't do that. They don't care for this, but it is a lot of work because you have to go and you have to deal with all the rocks and the rubble and roots and stumps and all this. You've got to tear all those things out 
in order to be able to then cultivate the land. You've got to then plant seeds. You've got to figure out a way to get water to it, so you've got to irrigate. And then you've got to plant some specific things that are really healthy for them. It's not just a matter of throwing seed for grass. You've got to, you've got to sow them grains. You've got to sow uh, beans and different things that they need. I feel like I can shepherd at any moment. I mean, I'm learning so much here. But it, it really is true. And, um, but if, if this last thing of, of being hungry, they're not able to lie down and rest in peace if, they, if they're hungry. And so it's amazing. One of the things that I, that I learned here was that if you've got a good pasture, literally new little lambs that are born... In 100 days, they can put on 100 pounds. If they're eating and they're content, see what happens is they get up in the morning and they eat early in the morning. There's dew on the, you know, on the um, on the vegetation and whatnot, and then they're they're able to eat and eat and be contented and then lay down and just rest and just rest. Really, how could God want this for me? That doesn't sound like the, the ogre that I know. That I'm used to or that I've heard about. I've heard about this tough shepherd. But this sounds too good to be true. Hungry sheep are always on their feet. They're always wandering. And they're always searching. If the Good Shepherd is not our source, if we're not continually going to Him, to His Word, the Word of God, see, the, the, that's what the Holy Spirit does in our life. He works in our life and He's pulling away the rocks. He's pulling out the stumps and the roots of, of unbelief. He's pulling out these stones of pride, hardness of heart. He's tilling that and, and cultivating the ground, the soil of our heart and our mind. And then he begins to put the word in there. But he's not, he's a good shepherd and he's gentle. And he's not going to force feed. You know, as they say, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him, you can't make him drink. And many sheep choose not to do that. Think about the parable of the sower. Jesus talks about the sower with the seed and he has a bag and he throws the seed, realizing that only one-fourth of the seed lands on good soil. That's not very good. It's not good odds. The one-fourth of people's hearts are good soil that can receive that and it can actually grow in their life. He's rooting out bitterness this hard clay of pride. He cultivates the life of the Holy Spirit, producing His kind of good fruit. From Galatians 5, what does Paul say? Love, say it with me, joy, peace, patience, kindness. I start fading out right there. I just like, uh, what was it again? Um, like awesomeness or something? Goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and we always remember self-control. Yeah. Through God's Word, as we come and we feed on His Word consistently, keeping that alive, that is how we cultivate that heart toward the Lord. I love this in Jeremiah chapter 9, 
Verse 23 and 24. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise man gloat in his wisdom, nor the mighty man in his power, or the rich man in his riches. Listen to this. Let them boast in this alone. I sit up and take notice right here. Let them boast in this alone, that they know me and understand that I am the Lord. I am the good shepherd who is just and righteous, whose love is unfailing, and that I delight in these things. He leads me beside peaceful streams. And we'll close with this. Or quiet waters. The role of the of the work, the role of water in the life of a sheep is absolutely vital. Like sheep, like many animals, how much of the human body is water? Roughly seventy percent, somewhere around there. It can be somewhere to fifty and sixty if you're not, you know, hydrating enough and, and whatever. But soon we, pretty soon, thirst tells us that we've got a problem. Dehydration begins to set in. And we, it's to tell us that we've got to have water or some sort of hydration from an outside source. How many of you have ever internally hydrated yourself? No, we haven't, right? We don't. We, it always has to be an outside source. What a great picture that we need God. The one that we were designed to be hydrated by, if you will, is He's our outside source. He's the well springing up from within us because if the Holy Spirit lives within us, if Jesus lives within us by His Spirit, then we're this well that is springing up that gives life. Anyone who is thirsty, Jesus says, come to me. John chapter 7. If we are not led... Or, if we're not willing to follow Him to pure water, sheep end up drinking in polluted sources. And this is where they pick up diseases and parasites. This gets very dangerous for a sheep. A shepherd has to be very careful because sheep are very prone to do that very thing. If they're not led or if they're not willing to be led, they end up doing that. If God is not my shepherd, what am I going to do? I'm going to seek out relationships, security, popularity, all those things to try and satisfy what only God can fill in our lives. If we're not fully satisfied with God as we are designed, we will settle for cheap substitutes. What we really long for is God's love and intimacy with Him. But we know, because this is a family audience, we know what the chief substitutes that we often look for if we're unwilling to be led by Him to pure water. Security. If we don't look to Him, we're going to look to our career. We're going to look to money. See, money, careers, all those things are good things. God desires for us to have those things. But they're not our source. They can't be the thing that we look to. We're looking for identity, but instead we settle for conformity. 
We'd rather be wrong with the wrong people than be alone sometimes. I've been there. I don't want to be unpopular in the crowd. There's this story that one of the shepherds tells. And um, it's about this, in the blazing sun in Africa, um, shepherds in hot, arid places like that, shepherds have to lead their sheep down into these dark wells, these caverns where the clear, cool water is. So they'll lead them down, and they'll just keep going down and down and down into these caverns. It's dark. It's difficult. You're coming from the bright light into this, and yet you sometimes only you, you can only hear you know the sound of the shepherd leading you, but you can't really see him. Sounds familiar in life, doesn't it? Like, are you are you there still? Because I'm not seeing you. I'm not seeing you in these circumstances. These things are way bigger. Um, than what I'm able to to pick up on right now. It seems like you're really distant, God. The caverns are dug out by the shepherd with great difficulty. I mean, they have to get down there and they're just sweating and working. And I mean, in order to get their sheep to be able to get to the right kind of water. He describes this story about when he was the shepherd was leading his sheep down there into this cavern to drink. And this old stubborn ewe, she stops and she begins to, she stops short of the fresh water that he was going to lead her to. And she begins to drink out of this mud puddle that was right in front of her. You can imagine with all of these sheep coming through there with other flocks and everything, the amount of urine and feces and all kinds of stuff that was in that water. The kind of parasites that can be picked up and, you know, um, just terrible stuff. She wasn't willing to wait for the fresh water. She wasn't willing to wait for the provision. I, I want to have it now. I've got, to, I've got to satisfy this desire now, this thirst now. Well, you can imagine what happened to some of the other sheep. They saw her doing that and they began to drink as well from this same cesspool. It's so clearly, again, he describes this as sheep. Why? Because we're prone to do these very things. He says, drink from this clean water of marriage. And yet we choose to drink from other cisterns, as Jeremiah talks about. These cracked and broken ones. He says, I haven't hidden things from you. I've, I've kept these things for you. These pleasures, these great things. Don't settle for the cheap way to try and climb up the ladder. Do the hard thing. Make the integrous decision on the job. The thing about parasites is they don't start working right away. You don't notice they're there. You come across that attitude in different people. They're like, I got this. I got this. Everybody around is going, you don't got this. It is very clear you don't got this because the Lord is not your shepherd. You're drinking from other wells that are so unhealthy that God never designed you to drink from. 
So this delayed reaction takes place. And before they know it, this parasite has a hold of them. Come to me, all you who are weary and carrying a heavy burden. Come to me, all you who have acquired parasites along the road, along the journey, because of choices and decisions that you've made. And he says, I want to make an exchange with you. Let's stand up. The four things that we talked about at the beginning, in order for lamb to sheep to feel peaceful, they have to be free of fear. They have to be free of tension, free of parasites, and free of hunger. They need the Word of God cultivating the soil of their life. They need the Holy Spirit working, leading, and guiding them. This is a surrender service, is what it is. This is an opportunity to settle this question of if the Lord is my shepherd or not. Is he truly? Because he has nothing but amazing provision for those who come to him and say, You're it. You're it, Lord. I give up. I'm done trying to do this on my own. This is exhausting. Trying to do this with my effort. See, just as he went down and he's getting the water, preparing the water for these sheep. It was all his energy. It was all his strength. It was all his work. That's what he's preparing for us, is an atmosphere and a life of grace. The tension, the performance, all those things, it's just to lay it down. And I'm here right out in front of you and I'm doing it again. I get to respond to my own altar calls every single week. I'm serious. And all week long, it's like, oh my God, how can I preach on this? This is me. Lord, I just surrender to you again. And I just declare you are my shepherd. Yes, you do. Welcome to pray right along with me. You are my shepherd. I exchange my fear. Seems like I'm afraid more times than I'm not. I lay down these these factions and tensions. My stuff, the way I see people. And Paul, you said it, inspired by the Holy Spirit. We no longer see one another after the flesh. We see one another through the lenses of Christ. Can you let those things that are big things for me become things that are just no longer, no more. Can you lead us in a life we love to follow you? I know it's easy to say that right now, but we want to follow you into your Lordship, the benevolent dictatorship in our life. Oh.
shots. Jesus, you're the only way for life now and for eternity. Lord, if, if there are those here tonight, they're drinking out of those cesspools, those having a difficult time waiting and saying no and saying, I, God, I believe the lie that you were hiding something or keeping something from me rather than saving something for me. Lord, I just release a heart of surrender to them right now. To say, Lord, I trust you. Even when it looks dark, even when it's difficult to see whether or not you're there, I trust you. I trust you. I'll go wherever you want me to go. And we say these things in the only name that makes any difference at all, and that's Jesus. Thank you, Lord.